So just to start right off, I'm going to tell you that we collectively think that Jesus is amazing. Uh, He made it into our mission statement. Our goal is to show you, people, anyone who Jesus is. And so we as a church have, we just jumped all over the idea of what if each week for a while we talked about like really who Jesus is. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to share a story with you, but I, I need to ask a favor. This does not involve you, for those of you who are introverted, having to talk to anybody, so just chill. I I need a favor. I'm going to read a story to you, and I need you to find who you are in the story. It's very simple. There's going to be multiple characters. There's going to be, like, okay, storyline. Okay, I see them, and I hear, okay, who are you? You have a job so that you don't have homework. No one likes homework. You got to pay attention as I read this so that you can find who you are, and let's learn about who Jesus is. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught, been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. There's a whole other sermon there. How'd they catch her? The law of Moses, that's the law they were living by, the law that God had given Moses, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Um, If you want to know what they're getting at, yeah, they're trying to set him up. In fact, That's quite literally what is said. Let's go on to the next one. They were trying to trap him by saying something they could use against him. First you're like, why would they do that to Jesus? I mean, Jesus hasn't hurt anybody. What's the big deal? Like, Why would they even try to trap him? Well, frankly, because he was hurting their business. The religious leaders at the time, they didn't like what he was saying and what he was claiming to be. And so they're trying to set him up. They're they're being haters. Do you have any haters? You probably, some of you are sitting next, don't, don't. uh, All of us have at least one hater in our life. We're like, yeah, they're constantly trying to trick me, trying to trip me up, trying to ruin stuff, constantly posting things about blah, blah, blah. Well, that welcome, welcome to uh, ancient times of that. They're trying to trap him by saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Right there is what we call a master class. If you don't know what a master class is, you can go on the internet and learn a lot of stuff that they never taught us in school, okay? And if you don't know, what do you do when someone hates on you? Step one, exactly what Jesus has did. Ignore them. I mean, you, if you can literally stoop down and start writing in the dust. I don't think you have to go that far. But it's a good lesson right then and there. What do you do when someone says something, tries to trip you up? And how do you respond? Do you immediately punch them in the face? No. Ignore them. But that doesn't always land it where it just stays there. They, they kept demanding an answer. Ah, haters are like that. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. 
Uh, we don't know exactly what he wrote in the dust, but it's sure fun to come up with some ideas. He might have been listing their sins right in front of their faces and they're like, stop that right now. We don't know. Um, when the accusers, that's an important word, by the way, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, to only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? By the way, he knew. <clears throat> didn't, didn't even, like, didn't just one of them condemn you? No, Lord, no, Lord. No, she says, no, Lord. No, Lord. See how her heart in the midst of this is changing? It's not no, no, even just rabbi or Jesus, no, Lord. She said, and Jesus said, neither do I. I go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Sometimes when this is taught, sometimes if you, maybe you don't even have to have like been in church for very long at all. You probably have heard somewhat of a story of, hey, don't throw stones. Like basically if, if, if you're mad at someone and, and you decide, like, oh, that's horrible. Be careful about throwing stones. Many of us have heard this. And, my, and oftentimes we don't talk about the whole story. We're, at the end, Jesus says, yeah, hey, 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 saved your life. Stop sinning. Stop doing what you're doing. You got me? I mean, stop doing what you're doing. So, so remember that because that's a big lesson for you and I when we're talking about what does Jesus want in our lives? Stop sinning. In fact, let me, let me help even clarify this even more. Let's jump to another area in the Bible. This is if you're in your Bible, you would turn right and keep going. You'd find a place called First John. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you. The reason I'm stopping right now, you're like, and don't miss the fact that a guy sat down and wrote something and wrote what we would call a book. It was put into the Bible, but wrote it and, and made sure like, okay, here's my agenda is writing this thing. It's to you and, and to me, my dear children, I am writing this to you. Why? So that you will not sin. If you've never read the book we call First John, like what's it all about? It's a book written to help you and I not sin. Now, think about right now, Jesus tells this woman, hey, okay, you're alive, it's good for you. Don't do what you were doing anymore, stop sinning. Then we jump forward in the Bible and we learn, hey, this guy's writing this whole book, don't sin. I'm writing this so you won't sin. And I wonder what your approach, what my approach has been I'm trying not to sin. Or, let's get real, trying to help those around us stop sinning. I wonder what your approach has been. Well, let's, let's read. Uh, here's how. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Ooh, another big word. Don't forget that one. We have an advocate who pleads our case. This is sounding really good and positive. Before the Father, he is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I don't know what your approach has been to sin and helping yourself or others stop, but perhaps you were waiting for, if you, if you were and maybe in a negative church setting where someone's like, hey, you, you, need, you need to not sin or you're gonna burn in hell. And you struggle with the enthusiasm. You're like, that's, okay, 
Okay, let's, let's walk all the way down to parenting. Don't do that or else. Or, or do this or else. And there's this, you're, some of you right now are going, we never do that. It's just a wonderful home we live. It's perfect. We never do that. Come on. Most of us in, in those kinds of settings, or at least we were raised this way, there were ultimatums, and the ultimatum was not this positive, wonderful, ooey-gooey awesomeness. It was like, hey, if you don't do that, um, you lose privileges until you're 75. That's how this is going to work, right? I mean, this is how... Uh, this verse just said, I'm writing this to you so that you won't, you won't sin. And notice what it doesn't say. I'm writing this to you so, so you won't sin, so here's the deal... Hell is really hot. You don't want to go there. No, it says, here, I, I, don't, want you to, I don't want you to sin. You should, you should not sin. Jesus himself said, don't sin. And you're like, so how? You need to remember that Jesus loves you. Yeah. It should be more intense than that. But no, what the Bible teaches is that you and I have an advocate, someone who loves us so much that because you and I have a sin problem, because you and I are imperfect people, that, that there was a punishment awaiting you and I, Jesus stepped in and became an advocate for you and I. And if you want to stop sinning and you don't want to make choices that you shouldn't, it's not about hell, which hell is real and yes, it is bad, but that's not how you fix that. You remember that Jesus is an advocate and he's your advocate. This is contrary to how we parent or sometimes lead as bosses or you, you got me? This is a big deal. It should be profound. Jesus is an advocate. If you want to know how profound it is, you need to flip it. Here, let me help. Jesus is an advocate, not an accuser. Remember the story about the woman? Remember I told you, remember the word accuser and remember the word advocate? Why does a church talk about Jesus? Why do you and I lean into something that you may think you already know, but maybe we don't already know? Why do we need to learn about Jesus? Because he's an advocate, and that's a big deal, and he's not an accuser. Now, some of us are messed up right now. You know why? Because you're like, but David, what she did, she's a homewrecker. What she did, it was wrong. And you're right. I mean, sometimes we, we, we read the Bible and, and we're like, it's confusing to me. And you're like, wait a minute. So we just read a story about a woman who, I mean, can we just be, there was a guy who doesn't get in trouble in the story, which is, can we talk about how wrong that is? But he never gets brought up and thrown in front of the people, but um, it takes two to tango. That's a different sermon too. There, but there's, there's this people that, that are, in essence, messing up a marriage. They're hurting a marriage. Jesus does not condone the behavior. And it messes with us in today's normal stuff. In today's things that are going around us and we're seeing tons of things that are problems. See, let, let me give you an observation about what played out. Their accusation was right. But their attitude was wrong. By law, by law, it's stated in the law. By law, she should die. So should the other guy. By law. But hopefully when I read it, you identified the fact like, I, there's something about these people that I don't like. You're like, why are they doing it this way? There's this, there's this attitude problem going on. 
See, many of us, we know inside of us that it feels good when someone gets what they deserve. Can I just say that out loud? Okay, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it again. Sometimes when we, I'm gonna say sometimes because some of us don't wanna hear all the time, but um, sometimes when we see someone do something wrong and they get what we feel like they deserve, we're like, yeah. It's because built in you and me is a craving for a just world where there are all the right laws, listen, and all the people are following all the right laws, right? And some of us are going, where is that place? Isn't there something inside almost all of us that we would say, you know what would fix everything is if we had all the right laws and everyone obeyed those laws, then everything would be amazing because inside of us, we think this idea of a just world is a perfect world. And so that's why many of us are messed up when it comes to helping other people. In fact, let me show you. There is something happening in society about us going, hey, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You know where it's happening? Um, In kids' sports. So you need to watch this and then we'll talk about it. Sports is meant to be fun, but some referees are arriving at their breaking point because of parents behaving badly. The schools will walk you out with a security guard and you try to park your car in areas where you know the fans aren't. Is it dangerous being a ref? It's more the emotional and the the verbal abuse. Across the tri-state area, the current crop of refs are aging out and new ones are turning in their whistles. According to the National Federation of High Schools, 80% of new refs quit after two years because of abusive behavior from the stands and sidelines. We would love to get players from the local schools to come and be officials. And they've outright told us, no, we don't want to be screamed out. If one parent speaks out or one parent yells at an official, that maybe other parents start to see that as acceptable behavior. In some places, it's leading to a shortage of refs and games canceled, which means the actions of parents are threatening to alter the landscape of sports. We can't just plug a game and, hey, I want to play next Tuesday. We don't have officials to accommodate them. Right now, Long Island is operating with about half of the referees and umpires needed. Aggressive parents may feel they are supporting their children, but it's the exact opposite. JV girls basketball game, I call the travel, and the mother goes, that's a horrible call, call ref, you stink, that, and the girl turns to her mother and goes, mom, shut up, I traveled. Ultimately, the price is being paid by the children because it's their parents who are embarrassing them in front of their friends. Maybe we could do it by kids actually asking their parents, can you please just let me play this game without questioning every single call? That's ridiculous. Parents can yell, but it won't make a ref change his call. In Farmingdale, Long Island, Steve Overmeyer, CBS 2 News. Now before you make sure that you share this sermon online to multiple people, can we just talk about us? How perhaps us as a church, or maybe it's down individually, and some of us are like, oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. However, many of us in our pursuit of justice, listen, we've become accusers. In our pursuit of going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and you're right, but your attitude is grossly toxic. See, <laughs> what Jesus teaches us 
is profound. Now, I'm not hating on those. For those of you who think, did you, is it because you were just at the basketball game, David, and we saw, no, 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 no. Listen, we've all thrown a rock, right? Every one of us have. Every single one of us has looked at someone or something and said, that's wrong, that's wrong, and we've picked up, well, not thinking about our own behaviors, our own thoughts, and we've taken rocks in and we've thrown them. I, you're, you're, you, have, you have an instant or, or moment or, or season, and I, and I do too, right, 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 right. We've all thrown a rock, but in, in the process, many of us have adopted a new attitude that is so far from what Jesus modeled that you and I should take time to say, okay, I've not been having a great attitude. I've been kind of one of these people. I, I need to change my attitude because Jesus had a different attitude. What do we learn from the story? Well, we learned about two different types of people, so let's, let's break this apart. Let's talk about the, uh, the accuser attitude. I'm not looking at any individual, by the way. By definition, it's to charge someone with an offense. And some of you are still going, but they were wrong. I know. Do not forget that the woman was wrong. And do not forget how Jesus responded. To charge someone with an offense. Okay, points out mistakes all the time. Now, by the way, so I can never point out a mistake, David? No, there's a difference between one time and having an attitude of when you come home, it's all about the mistakes. When you go to work, it's all about the mistakes. When you're hanging out with your friends, it's all about the mistakes. When it's anywhere on social media, it's all about the mistakes. You got me? It's an attitude. It's a constant attitude where, do you want to hear how I've been wronged? And people are like inside, no. Points out mistakes, talks about others. Some, in some circles, we, we call this gossiping. And if you're a gossiper, if you're constantly talking about other people's lives, you're likely having this accuser attitude and demands punishment. Oh, it's always about the punishment. It's, hey, well, they're getting what they deserve, huh? Some of us right now are thinking about people that we work with or that we, that we live with, that we hang out with. Be careful. Maybe this is you. So what's the flip? I mean, what did Jesus teach us? I, th I think it's profound. Let's talk about it. Advocate attitude. A defender and comforter. Stop. Do you see why this is difficult? Do you see that why if you are hurt by another person, to respond to that other person with comfort, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see why this is tough, and this is why everyone doesn't try to have an attitude of Jesus Christ. Uh, seeks reconciliation. Like when you see someone who you might say, hey, I guarantee what they did was wrong. Now let's see how we can reconcile. Leads with grace. You're like, but I like the truth. I get the truth's good. Lead with grace. Again, we're trying to live how Jesus lived and seize the person. This is my favorite. I'm gonna stay here for a moment, okay? Seize the person. If you're like, well, what's he mean by that? Do you see the problem or the person? When someone is wrong, when, when you see a, a lack of justice, when you see someone's sin, when you see something break down, a, a betrayal, a moment, you're like, that is, that is so wrong. Are you so locked on to what was wrong that you forgot that's a person? Do you notice that Jesus is right now, I mean, in, by his own statement, his own law, he's like, yeah, adultery is wrong. You shouldn't cheat on your spouse. But he doesn't treat her like a broken rule. She's a person the whole time. Jesus sees the person, not the liability. 
Not the, not the broken promises or stuff like that. No, it's a person. And I gotta tell you, Christians, will you please, 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 please listen? Every person that you've ever met or that you ever see on the news, do you know that God made them and loves them and they'll always be a person? And sometimes those of us who are so justice-oriented, we get so finger-pointy that we forget, wait a minute, behind all of that, that, that news and those details in the hurt, that's a real person. You want to be an advocate, never forget that people are people. It does not condone the behavior to just acknowledge that someone has value. Here's a core lesson of what Jesus teaches us. He never wants evil to win. Ever. Jesus never wants evil to win. I wonder how honest you're willing to get here. Remember when we talked a little bit about when we see someone do something wrong and they get what they deserve and sometimes that feels good? Can we, can we, can we willingly admit that sometimes when someone falls and on their face... Remember when that happened in, in like elementary school when we laughed when someone fell out of their chair? Or at recess when they fell down, right? Remember that? And, we're, and now we're as adults, oh, you should never do it. Don't laugh. Why are we still doing it as adults? When we see, when we see evil win, somehow there's a satisfaction there. There shouldn't be. If you're a Christian, you should never be okay when evil wins in someone's life. It should grieve you. And, and if you're okay with it, perhaps you've become more of this person. So, 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 okay. So what do we do? I mean, hopefully you're like, yeah, I shouldn't be an accuser. I don't think that's the best way to live life. Like, how do I actually walk this out and live this kind of life, okay? So I can, I can give you a couple of ways to practically, like practically be an advocate at work, in your home, wherever you go. I don't, you can practically, here's step one. Stop canceling everyone who disagrees with you. I expected tons of amens, but it's fine. We live in a time now, and I'm not joking, because I could just rattle off story after story of friends who were friends, but then one realized, hey, wait a minute, you're a different political party, you're done. I know we live in a time now, it's, it's called uh, cancel culture, I've talked about it before. If you don't know what cancel culture is, it's where someone comes up with an idea of what someone has done. It may not be verified. It could be totally false. But it hits, it hits the news stream. It hits, it hits what people are talking about. And so because we think, well, well, that's horrible, we cancel that person. We unfollow them. We block them. We stop talking to them. We're like, we're done with you because you did this. And we can't even prove it, but we cancel them. Show me where Jesus took half-truth from people and said, I'll never talk to you ever again. If you don't want to be an accuser, listen, you can disagree with another human being and not cancel them. I know that is very uh, different than what culture teaches. But we're called to live like Jesus, Right? The world needs more people who will actually have conversations with people and love people. It's not about agreeing on everything. It's, hey, you're a human being. You have value, so I'm not gonna cancel you. 
But that's one level of it, okay? I mean, it, 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 you can take this even a step further, okay? It's not just about saying, well, okay, I won't block you, jerk. Okay, here, here, help repair what is wrong. But David, that could get messy. Mm-hmm. Do you know that, that Jesus spent a lot of time with a lot of people, not all of the do-gooders. <laughs> you know that Jesus, it's recorded even in the Bible, this will mess with some of us, uh, spent time with thieves, uh, prostitutes, people who were known as being just traitors to the country. I mean, just the, 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 the people who were ostracized, Jesus would be like, hey, let's have lunch together. I want to get involved in your, in your mess, not to condone it. But to help you get reconciled, huh? See, we live in a time now that's like, get involved in someone's mess. Well, what, what, what will people say? Well, who cares what people say? I wonder if you've ever worked with someone who screwed up. I wonder if you've ever been married to someone who screwed up. A friend who, who screwed up. A f- Maybe you've been a part of a business. You're like, yeah, we messed up. We shouldn't have done it that way or whatever. You probably have been a part of it. What was your response? Not only should we not cancel them, but we would say, how do we reconcile? How do we fix this? Let me help. Let's, let's go to this guy. Now, I'm gonna have to describe what this is. Some of you are like, like what? Is this from the moon? No, it's not, it's not from the moon. Um, this is not a Bluetooth keyboard. This is a typewriter. Now, some of you are still like, where's the battery? There is no battery. There is no cord. There's, I don't know how, we don't have time really to go into all of the details of this. But there was a day that if you wanted to uh, put together a letter or or a a paper for school or whatever, you would use this kind of thing and and you would type it and, and it had this, oh, come on. Some of you, yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, it's therapy, thank you, thank you. Some of you are like, who would ever use that? If you, if you don't know about typewriters, you might be like, well, what happened, like where's, where's spell check? When did that, like, yeah, a spell check was here? That's, that's what you had? Or, or dictionary, if, if, if you had that? And so often, just so you know, people would, and would mess up, and you'd be like, uh-oh. In the 60s, some smart people accidentally <laughs> invented uh, this. Now, some of you are like, nail polish? No, it's not nail polish. It's called whiteout, and here, here's how this works. It's, if you made the mistake, it was basically white, and I'm just going to, I'm going to dumb this down. Okay, we're going to make sure we, it's basically like white paint, okay? That's a okay. And it, it, would, it would match, it would match the paper and so, so you could just white out the mistake and then like scroll down and then go back to typing again and you wouldn't have to like throw it away. The problem is this got fixed. Thank the Lord for computers, right? But when someone in your life has an error, do you know what we usually do? You guys go get a new friend, a new spouse, new job, new church. 
There are two kinds of people in this world when it comes to this. Advocates and accusers. It's not necessarily about what your approach to life has been up to this moment. But what does Jesus want to teach us in this moment? I think he prefers advocates. People who who acknowledge there was a mess up. That's not right. That needs to stop. How do we get you restored? How do we fix this? If you want Jesus to literally be the center of your life, stop avoiding this conversation. People have wronged you. You need me to say that again? People have wronged you. People have wronged me. Can we be more honest? You have wronged people. I have wronged people. Do you know who is well-knit in your life and is extremely special to you? Are the people who said, yep, you were wrong. Let's fix this. Let's wipe this out and let's keep going because you have a message in life. The only way to be an advocate is to do what Jesus knew was going to happen. You got to drop the rock. Some of you want me to get rid of this slide really fast. Some of you are like, but David, what they did, I, I agree. It hurts. Sin hurts. There's a reason that God helped us know what sin does because he knows that it, it wrecks relationships a lot of times. It a lot of times throws us into what we'll call rock bottom. It's not God's best. But I'm telling you, throwing a rock will not give you what you think it's going to give you. You know what will give you what you want? Is being an advocate. Jesus told the woman, get up. Go live your life. But don't live your life based on your cravings and your desires. Go live your life as you should. Christians, we got to deal with this. In fact, here's, here's what I want to do. Typically, this is where you might be expecting right now to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not saying that, so don't do that. A lot of times this is where I'll pray with us and we'll have a time, but we're going to have a time, but, but every, one, every one of our locations, we're going to have one of our pastors come up and, and we're actually going to walk through some of this because I think this is such a big deal. I know that anytime we ever talk about, we've got wounds and hurts and issues and we, and we can't like fight these people and beat these people up. We've got to do something. It's time that we deal with it and that we drop the rock. And so we're going to walk through this with our hearts open. So let's do that.